welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live outside Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm joined by a man in a world with the darkest powers, born to be king, a prince of the universe, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you, thank you. Me and Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Which is the only two things Freddie Mercury and I have ever had in common. Well, I, I, the reason I went with that is because I finally got around. Did you see Highlander? I saw Highlander. I watched it last night. Was I, it I actually wonderful? still have about 20 minutes left. I haven't finished it yet because I was watching it on the way back from going to see Goose Play Softball. But, ah. uh, yeah, great movie. I'm really oh, enjoying it. Outstanding flick. And so the, it's funny that you mentioned that album. That Queen album is actually called It's a Kind of Magic. And it was the Highland. There was no Highlander soundtrack. It's a kind of magic. Was the Highlander soundtrack? Right. And I. It was funny too because I had forgotten that until you know the credit sequence comes on and I hear that song, which I've known for years, and I went, "Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot." And then you start hearing Queen songs all throughout the movie. Oh yeah, Princes of the Universe. Who wants to live forever? Although, although that we'll get into philosophy a little bit later because we have been philosophizing about if you could live forever, would you like? And to? I do like the Highlander m- model of immortality, where he grows to be about thirty-five and then just stops. That's great. See, I like that. And I, if we could just get the dudes, you know, I'd, I would be the worst immortal ever because it'd be like, all right, fellas, listen, this is a big world. There's no reason for us to run around trying to cut, cut each other's heads off. You go <laughs> stay in Europe for a couple of years. I'll stay in America. Mail me a letter. We'll switch. We'll, you know, really no need to run around trying to chop each other's heads off. And that's that, why you'd be the first one to get your head chopped off. It'd be a slow movie. Yeah, it would. No doubt. But anyway. Just some guy gardening and <laughs> some other guy working as a blacksmith. Me, me sitting there in a Buddhist temple. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, well, but anyway, okay. Let's get back to cigars. Let's, let's or let's start. <laughs> start with cigars. All right. All right. You gonna lay yours on us first? Yeah, I'll do it because you said you had a story with yours. So, um, I was in Casa de Monte Cristo yesterday talking to Hutch, and he put this cigar in my hand, recommended it. It's the Camacho Imperial Stout Barrel Age Toro. I'm a huge Camacho fan, as we all know. Uh, although I do tend to stay away from them lately, just because there's so much good out. Uh, that it's it's kind of lost its status as a go-to kind of workhorse cigar for me. Even though it still falls in that category, I'm just not picking it up as much. It's kind of straight out of the workhorse price realm. Yeah, it is. It's getting up there a little close to $10 yeah, or, the, or the, a little higher, depending on your size. The price realm of workhorse, the Camacho has departed. Yeah, it has. It's It's gone just barely. I mean, it's still... If you've got a nice enough job, you know, you had a, it, it can still fall in that. But I, I think for the average Joe, it's probably a little high. But anyway, uh, it is a Mexican San Andreas wrapper over Honduran, Brazilian, and Dominican filler. Uh, it is, according to Hutch, packs a wallop. Apparently, it is as full as full gets. It's uh, When he had it, he said it mellowed out about the second half. So I'm interested to see if I get the same kind of treatment out of this. But I'm, you know, it's been a while since Camacho's really blown me out of the water. The Triple Maduro, when it first came out, was one of those cigars. And then after the Davidoff rebrand, I, f- I feel like they just, they, they, they tamed that blend a little too much. Well, Davidoff's known for a lighter blended cigar. Now, sure. see, I'm interested to see how that cigar breaks down for you. Because it's all the things that you have preached against. It's barrel-aged, imperial stout-flavored. It's 
well, it's all the gimmicks that you have that you have hated. I'm interested to see how you put all that together and what it smokes like. I, I am too, and that was one of the things that I talked to Hutch about. You know, when he was telling me about the cigars, is I don't like barrel aged cigars. They taste sweet. And they tend not; they tend to be very mild and mellow because they because whoever makes the cigar wants the age to overtake the flavor of the cigar, so they do a lighter cigar. So that he gets, he said, this is not that, um, and it's not flavored imperial style. It was just in a it was barrel aged in an imperial style barrel. Well, I will say I trust Hutch implicitly. I do too. He's it, never steered me wrong. Never steered me wrong. And a number of times I've been reaching to pick something up, and he said, you know. I was not real impressed with that cigar, mm. and all, which is a very good way of putting don't smoke that. You know, he don't, he don't do a shoulder roll over the counter, smack it out of my hand and say, whatever you do, don't smoke that. No. But, no, I would love to see that. Although, speaking <laughs> of which, and I know you've got to get to your cigar, so tell us about your cigar. Then I have, speaking of cigars that you should knock out of someone's hand. Okay. So, okay, for this cigar, it is a Padron. It is the other TAA one. I was going to smoke this last week, but you gifted me a cigar, and etiquette requires. So I'm smoking this to celebrate passing all of my state and my national real estate exams and everything like that. That's what I was saving this for. Mazel tov. Now, here's the problem. As I pull out my jeweler's loop and really examine this cigar, this wrapper is in rough shape, man. It looks as thin as tissue paper. It, it, well, I literally did a cold draw before I cut the cap. I bet you I could smoke this cigar without cutting it. Wow. So, okay. Now, in a situation, this is a great opportunity because I want to prevail upon your expertise. I have my own theories. Okay. In this situation where it's a good cigar, but the cap is very, very fragile, how do you cut it? I'm punching that. Are you going to punch that? Mm-hmm. Well, now here's my problem. I'm scared with the punch, you run the risk of the blowout. True. You, this is where having a super, super sharp punch comes right. into play. Uh, because, because you can, especially with as fragile as the rest of that cigar looks, to, to put the pressure on the rest of the cigar that you need to get the punch through it, you could risk a tear down the cigar. Well, that's the thing. I, I feel like if I'm not careful, when I go to punch this thing, I'm going to blow out the side of the yeah, smoke. Yeah, I, I, I think you do run that risk. Now, there's I'm counting, what, one, two, three caps, and this one's kind of floppy. I'm thinking what the, my technique is going to be is to take the cutter and score very lightly till it just falls off the top, not actually ever make a cut. That's... That's possible. That's possible to do. Because as thin as it is, I don't think. (laughs) And the horse you rode in on. (laughs) Tell you what. (laughs) Hey, folks, that was not on the sidewalk next to us. That was in the middle of the road. That's right. That guy's deaf every night when he gets home. So I'm maybe think, that's by design. I'm thinking the super gentle cut because I, like I said, I'm scared of the but blowout. I, w- I wouldn't use that cutter for that. Then, do you have your knife on you? I don't have my knife on. Oh, uh, that would be a perfect. This is a perfect scenario for scissors. Yeah. Try. Yeah. Oh wait, I've got a pair of scissors. Hey, I got a pair of scissors in my kit. Or try. You well, know. I've already wetted it, so I oh, don't okay. want well, to. I, I I wet it somewhat so that I didn't. Um, have any bigger problems? Right. Try, yeah. Trying to minimize the amount of damage. 
this could do to it. So, okay, yeah. I've got my scissors on my... Yeah, because I'm, I'm, the Calibri SV cut that you were going to use has that single fixed blade and the one moving blade, and I feel like you it would be hard to get the pressure right to do what you're trying to do, especially with as heavy as it is. I agree. I think you, you, you have led me well. And I'm just gently, I'm basically giving this cigar a shake. Yeah. And, all. It's and you're still getting some flakiness out of it. But well, uh, you see, not too and bad. if you look in the end of that, yeah, there's some weird things going on with this cigar. That's, I mean, the flavor's there. Yeah. How's it draw? Draw's perfect. Okay. Draw's padrone perfect. But I am concerned. It'll be interesting as I smoke this cigar to see what the the ramifications are. Right. So you talk about something while I try to light. Yeah. This thing. So when we did our uh, when we changed our review system, our scoring system to be one out of seven, was it number two that was I'd rather not smoke than smoke this? Yes. I finally had my first two. Since we since we came up with that, and really first two I can think about in a long time, if not ever, the Drew Estates factory smokes. I had one the other night, or I, I bought one the other night. I smoked it yesterday. I I'd have rather not been smoking a cigar. That thing was awful. When I had it, it was not bad. It was nothing. It, but but that's the thing is why am I wasting my time? For zero enjoyment. Right. Why I'd rather am I wasting not... my time and my 33 cents yeah. on, on Yeah, because I think they're, what, two and a half bucks or something? Yeah. They're ridiculously cheap. And I know I'm not expecting much out of a $2.50 cigar. But at the same time, I, yeah, it was complete nothingness. Yeah, I would have rather... It was a, it was a two. Yeah, it was. it's a definite two. Um, you know, and it's a shame because we both looked forward to that coming out for a long time. We did, and for some reason, they just, they, I don't know if they blended everything out of it or if the pieces that were left just were the pieces that had no flavor. Maybe their rollers are more skilled and their leftovers. Uh, I don't know. You know, they're harvesting to the nth degree. All right, I've successfully got it lit. I've successfully got it cut and all, and we're going to see how this smokes. All but right. This will be a complete lesson in smoking a damaged cigar. Oh. It even looks like there's a bit of a hole under the band, too, right under where your index finger is there. Yeah, it, it's kind of a scuff mark on the wrapper. I'm leaving the band on until yeah. I get down to it to see what happens. That's interesting. I'll keep it. I'll keep you updated. It was brought, shipped over here in someone's carry-on. I don't know if it came here in the prison wallet or what, but anyway. <laughs> so, um, the Mercury News is the source, and this is, I assume, out of California. Okay. People, sorry, I gotta stop and grumble. If you're gonna have a website that has your news stories on there, don't assume that I know the Mercury News is out of Sacramento. This could be the Mercury News out of Sacramento, this could be the Mercury News out of Istanbul, this could be the Mercury News out of anywhere because their website refuses to say where they're out of. Huh. And all. I'm assuming California because the article I'm about to read is from California. Okay. So the Capitol Courtyard, so the Capitol of California State Capitol, there's a little courtyard. And if you look, you can kind of see the little opening there in the picture. Yeah. But it's a little courtyard. And during his governorship of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger erected a smoking tent like in it. that area. 
at all. An area historically used for dogs. Now it's being used by the the new governor as a playground for kids. But swear, how how cool a dude are you that you become governor and you just say cigar tent. I want a cigar tent right out there. And it was not a cheap tent. This was a really nice, high-quality tent. Yeah. This had a glass table with crystal ashtrays, big leather recliners, so that Schwarzenegger could go out there and actually enjoy his cigars. I think that's that's pretty much the peak of coolness. I'll never be that cool. No, that is. I I, I mean, to that's it's right up there with having a, a balcony on your office building so that you have a place to smoke cigars too. There's a couple of office buildings right down the road here that there are balconies on the top floor. And I just think that's that's someone who was building that building with with their own CEO ship in in well in mind. Well, I would like to find the old style, and I can't find them anywhere. You know the bar that had the glass shelves on top where you kept your liquor, and then the spot for the shelves of yeah. the little bucket. Yeah, I need two of those. I need one for my house and one for my office. Because <laughs> there are times that I have a customer come in that I'd like to fix a highball. Right. You know, we're fixing to draw some plans. Let's let's have a little snort before we start drawing the plans. Let's make everything relaxing. <laughs> then you end up with the Beetlejuice house. <laughs> but we get there quickly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's that's the, true. That's the point. I had a customer come in yesterday, and he was breathing fire. His superintendent had made a super dumb mistake and put the wrong front on the house. Oh, gosh. And once we isolated that it wasn't me that made the stake, it wasn't, it was his superintendent, I wished I'd had something he could have sipped on to kind of calm down. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Another interesting little news story. Um, the Michigan City News Dispatch. Thank you, Michigan City. I appreciate you putting it right there in the title for me. Golfers exempt from smoking ban. As well they should be. It's outside. Well, now you would think that would be the logic. But a proposed smoking ban at city parks, playgrounds, and beaches will be up for vote at the council. How many beaches are there in Michigan? Well, there's the Great Lakes. I assume there's pretty good beaches. Yeah, but it's it's only warm enough to use it, what, six days a year? Yes, you just, if you live in Michigan, you hope summer hits on a weekend. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that's really the way it works. <laughs> but, so this is, what's, this is what's interesting to me about this. So they're proposing this, okay, we're going to ban smoking outdoors, basically. City parks, playgrounds, and beaches. Now, if I can't sit on the little spinning wheel and have a kid push me and puff on my cigar, I don't know what I'll do. I guess I'll have to quit going to Michigan <laughs> and all. But, um... They are not going to include the golf course because, and it's a municipal golf course, so it's a city golf course. It's not a private institution. Right. But noting that 30 golfers have already said they will not renew their membership if smoking is prohibited on the golf course. $400 a year times 30, which is a good rate for a golf course. Yeah. But, it's again, it's Michigan. Right. You pay $400 for the year, you get to use Although it. Although they do use the enclosed golf carts with the little heaters in them. When in the early spring and fall, I, it's still that's a why for me. But anyway, <laughs> if it's cold enough that I've got to scurry out and hit my ball and then run back into the warmth of the golf cart, it I takes some I'm, of the fun out of it. Yeah. I think you have to you have to use a, a green or an orange or a yellow ball just so you can see it amongst the snow. You know, if you if you and I were sitting outside here and we had to have a heater and we were huddled around the heater trying to smoke our cigars. 
That sounds a lot like the first 10 episodes of the Cigar Cast, Shane. <laughs> there is some of that. <laughs> but anyway, said so this would cost the golf course $12,000 right off the bat. And then the green superintendent said it'd be more like $200,000 after factoring in losses, cart packages, concessions, pro shop merchandise. Not to mention the people who wouldn't be playing on a membership, but that just won't go out to play anyway. Right. So let's... But, so they said, oh, okay, well, we won't make the golf course not smoking. Why not just reverse the whole stupid idea? And I know what it, and I know what this comes from. It has nothing, this is one of the few things that has nothing to do with protecting the kids. This is about litter. That's why you can't smoke on beaches, is because people just throw their cigarette butts down, and it's about litter. Okay, but, so, how, how concerned are you about litter that a cigarette butt is a problem? And this is one of those things, if we hadn't gone to the mass filter thing in the cigarettes, I think we'd be fine. It's the fiberglass in the filter that I think is the problem. The rest is paper and leaves. Who cares? Right. It's going to break down. That's like I had someone, I, I threw a cigar out the other day, and it was one of those of, of like, I, I got a, a weird, no one said anything, but I did get a weird look like I was littering because I threw a cigar butt out of the window of my car. And I'm just thinking, it's leaves. That's all it is. It's leaves. Right. It just happens to be processed. Right. People are, people are insane, but this is interesting to me because this goes back to what I say. Let's do it or let's not do it. Either we're going to ban smoking outside as a city or we're not going to ban smoking outside as a city. Right. And realistically, is smoking on the playground a big enough issue? Especially, it makes, it makes me think about, like, let's think of the people that, that still go to the playground. The playgrounds are not nearly as busy as they were when I was a kid, and I'm sure even to when you were a kid. Like, you drive by a playground, and they're not just completely covered up with kids. I remember, you know, you had to wait in line for the slide when I was a kid. Nowadays, you, there's a handful of kids out there on any old playground. Well, and they got the rubber mulch so that if they fall, they don't even skin themselves. I know. I mean, what's the point of being a kid anymore? But it makes me think that the people who are still utilizing the playgrounds, let's, fa- let's face it, cigarette smokers tend to be of a lower socioeconomic class than, than non-smokers. And so what you're really doing is telling people who maybe can't afford other forms of entertainment for their kids that now they're not even welcome on this free city park. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, I know I'm stretching there. You, I mean, I know I'm stop, really painting with a broad yeah, we're not going to spend much more time on this. I just wanted to point out another inconsistency in the world. But if you smoke when your kid's on the playground, you smoke in the car on the way home. Right, which is against the law in several states as well. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, one more news from out of town. And I'll, this from the Tulsa World News. At Tulsa, Oklahoma today, it's sunny and 90 degrees, by the way. It's not far off here. It's about sunny and 70. Yeah, it's, well. It's only 20 degrees. It's going to be like that on Saturday, though. I'm really looking forward to that. But anyway, coming back to that. Sorry, are we recording a podcast? (laughs) We're we're getting a little disconjointed here. Well, you got the microphone in your hand. You're laid back. The cigar's dangling. I think you forgot that we're actually. I, I did a little bit. At some point, Trey, a human being is going to have to choose to download and listen to this. <laughs> I shouldn't have to Preferably point this too. out to you. <laughs> so, rowing his own way, a Tulsa man opens a handmade cigar manufacturing company. 
Um, we'll go, you know, I'm not going to go through all the details. Tomas Bacchier Baladonado. Baldonado. I'm sure that was perfect. Thank you. Say it fast, say it with confidence. Mr. Baldonado, he spent seven years working for a cigar company in Arizona where he learned to roll cigars, develop blends that were sold online and in retail locations. Now he's getting to follow his love. He's passionate about handmade products. He loves wine, cigars, bourbon, and the the process. And I understand that kind of mind. Yeah. I really do how, how fun that kind of mind can be to have. So he will open October 1st at 6390 Central East 31st Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he will be selling his own cigars he makes there in the shop. So it, no major blends, only his stuff. Well, now it didn't say that there will not be any major blends there, which I think that works best in combination. I don't think I you think have so to be a purist. There is a cigar shop in Dallas that I love called City Cigars, and their hand-rolled in-house cigars are some of the best in like house-made cigars I've ever had in any cigar shop. By con- but they also sell main label cigars as well. And they do a lot of business. They've got a great location. They've been in business forever and don't show any st- signs of slowing down. By contrast, there's a place down in Austin, Texas called Babalu Cigars. And all they sell are cigars they roll in-house. And they're great after two years in your humidor. Well, and here's my question. Why? Why limit your market? Yeah. You know, why shut down your market? Why say I'm not going to sell, you know... Is it a hippie thing? Is it a, I'm that, not selling out to the man? That's kind of what I think, based on Austin being Austin, that it's kind of that shop local kind of because it, it's right on the main strip. It's right on Sixth or whatever the or Guadalupe or one of those. So it's you know it's right there in the heart of Hipster Central. So I wonder if that may be part of it. Maybe, but the bigger point of this, I want to commend this man. And I'll um, let me say his name, Tomas Bacchier Bonanato. I commend him for living the American dream. Absolutely. He went out, he became a journeyman. He honed his craft. He learned how to blend cigars. He learned how to roll cigars. Now he's opening his own shop to produce a product that hopefully the public will buy. I commend this man, and it makes me cry that the FDA wants his ass gone. That's true, because if the FDA were to get their way as of now, he would have to immediately shut his doors because he wasn't in production before 2006. Or go, yeah, he'd have to shut or his doors. Or spend $200,000 in, you know, processing and testing. Per size. And per size. Yeah, not per blend, per size, in order to get his cigars where he could sell them. Yeah. That, does that seem un-American to me that a that a craftsman that somebody learn you know it, it'd be like if the fda coming out and saying no more chair rail in housing right and uh we don't like chair rail we believe that children are made to feel small by chair rail because it's at eye level with them <gasps> we think it sets unrealistic expectations later in life for crown molding and we just don't want that kind of world going on <laughs> And the Truman, as ridiculous as, as that sounds, that's the exact kind of logic. That's exactly I mean, that is, what's going on here. That is cracking me up because that's exact. I mean, I could easily see someone coming out with that argument. Oh, I've, I've got a city inspector in Spring Hill that I'll guarantee you would make that argument if he thought he could get away with it. 
but that's the problem. So I want y'all, I want everybody out there to listen because this is important. They're not hurting Drew Estate when they do these FDA regulations. No. Drew Estate's got Swisher money. They've got the testing facilities already. It's not a big deal. They're not hurting Oliva. They're not hurting Scandinavian Tobacco Company. These are the guys they're killing. These guys that are just trying to live the American dream. Right. And all. That's the, that's the problem. Thank you. I'm on my soapbox. I'm starting to attract an audience. <laughs> Rounds of we're applause. Gonna have, we're going to have to get a PA system so we can do this live. <laughs> that's right. So, anyway, let's step away and take a break. I'll crawl down off my soapbox. We'll talk about the cigar under eight. When we come back, I had a listener suggestion that we talk about building a pallet. Okay. So, I'm not the kind of pallet you're, t- you're thinking of, about building your cigar pallet. And I'll, I have a listener request, and I've done some research, and I want to get your take on this. Okay, well, we'll be back with that more after this. Here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week we're going to talk about the Romeo and Juliet 1875 Nicaragua. This is a perfect intro to Nicaraguan cigars. It really is. It's Dominican made. Well, this is funny. Dominican made, but it's Nicaraguan tobacco. <laughs> like all uh, Romeos are. Yeah. Um, Dominican made, that is. It's Dominican made, but it is Nicaraguan puro. It's a great cigar. It's really mild. It's and it's funny because I'm seeing this rated as a medium full, but I would put it as a light medium. I would put it. I would put it in the same category as an Undercrown Shape. Okay. Yeah. I, I would say, and I think sometimes these ratings, what they do, is they don't put the. Um, they combine strength and flavor. Right. They, they it's add very, complexity very to it. And this has a lot of complexity. It's got the orange band. Great cigar. I mean, a five pack is like twenty six fifty. Yeah, it's very Just a inexpensive. Bargain on that cigar. Um, comes in the Churchill at seven by fifty two. A five pack still thirty five dollars. So you're still seven bucks a cigar. Right. So absolutely a great cigar. Really enjoy it. Till next week. Try the Romeo and Juliet eighteen seventy five Nicaragua. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane. My apologies. This week's bump joke was ruined by a listener. I was going to call Trail Rooster Cabra, but I was informed that Cabra meant goat. So, moving forward. What? You got to do the math. You got to think about what a chupacabra is, what a chupacabra means. Okay. So, if you want, and then El Rooster Cabra. Once, once it hits you, you'll die laughing right in the middle of the show. Okay. But so he informed me that Cobra was the goat part, not the other part. Uh, so, of Chupacabra. So, anyway, this bump joke ru- ruined by Alex. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Trey, sitting over here. Trey, how's your cigar? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, my cigar's good. I'm not getting the strength out of it that I was warned about, though. Uh, could, could be a palate thing. You know, could just be the fact that I've, I've had a couple of cigars already today, and, and so... The strength is being masked by having a little bit of a, a tired palate, but I, I mean, but the flavor-wise is really there. I mean, I'm not a barrel-aged cigar fan. I, I I find them to be flavorless, a little little sweet, but the San Andreas wrapper is really doing some nice things, getting that uh, slight spiciness on the back of the mouth, and uh, it's burning well. A little slower than I would prefer, but I, I'm really enjoying this. 
Well, the Padron's excellent. It's a Padron 1926 TAA special. The flavor is excellent. The construction is excellent. The care that this cigar has endured has been the problem. Right. Although but you seem to be managing it well. Despite, you know, the cut was a trick. Cut was tricky. Right. This was definitely one that a master needed to be working on. I even called for a consult on the cut on this one. And all, but the cut has worked. And I'm waving your copay, so you're, you're good. Oh, thank you. And I'll get a freebie every now and then. <laughs> but excellent flavor. It's still a Padron. It's still great. The worst Padron I had I ever had was still amazing. Right. I guess that was a Padron de Maso. Yeah. I did not care for the Padron de Maso. Very, very light. Yeah, what? So light as to not be a Padron. Right. And I remember the Damasa come out and the Underground Shade came out at the same time. And I smoked them both pretty close together. And I said, this is the first time I will ever say a Drew Estate has blew a Padron out of the water. Wow. That's that's saying a lot. But, you know, we had that burst where everybody tried to make a lighter cigar. It was true. I'm glad that we're past that. Well, speaking of lighter cigars, let's talk about the palate. So, first you want to get some one by four, and then a couple of nails. Hickory pressure treated. No, the cheapest you can find. Scrap lumber. Okay. It's usually the best. Make sure you've got clearance for the forklift. Wrong pallet. You're you're not one of those guys that does. Oh, hold on a second. I got to pull the show over again. Hey folks, pallets are not art. Stop going on Pinterest and trying to figure out how ways to change that. <laughs> Just, uh, the, the worst one is the one where they paint the red and white stripes on the individual yes. slats. Oh, it's awful. It, look, it, it looks, looks like crap. And then they don't do 50 stars. They, they do, do like 12. Yeah, or four or, so, yeah. or one big one. It's all... Yeah, hey, folks. They're junk wood meant to hold up to rigorous abuse. Let Once. them die. Yes, let them die. Yeah. And I'll, anyway, okay. Come. Burn them if you have to do something with it. That's right. Now, speaking of a burnt pallet. So, was the master of the segue. <laughs> thank you. Thank uh, you very much. You should be real proud of that one. I am. We were, we were actually talking to um, Beth here at the shop before we come out, and she said, yeah, I all the time have guys come in and say, I want the strongest cigar you got. And she says, okay. They said, yeah, we got a buddy who's getting married, and we want to get him a, a, a cigar. And she says, does he smoke any cigars? No, no, no. We want one that will make him sick. My com- with friends like these. My com- well, I, it's like I told Biff, that's the same part of a guy that makes you roll up the windows and hit the locks when you're about to pass gas in the truck. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's the same thing. Well, but it's, a, it's that same level of fraternity brotherhood comedy that I just don't find funny. I think neither one of us find that particularly humorous. No, no. Not- if, at the end of a good prank, everyone should be laughing. Right. Everyone, if, and if it's a little self-deprecating, it makes it even better. Absolutely. And all, but she said, I always try to slip them something a little less. And it, that's good advice mm-hmm. because it will keep, because the guy that gets sick off that cigar, guess what? He's never coming and buying another cigar. Right. Because I can't tell you, I've talked to countless people over the course of my cigar smoking career who've said, oh, I had a cigar once and made me sick as a dog. I didn't never want to touch another one. So let's speak of the palate. Let's speak of the cigar and the palate. I was reading a statistic today, very interesting. Only 20% of the flavor of the cigar is the taste. I believe that wholeheartedly. The other 80% is associated with the aroma. Yeah. 
the filling of the senses of this mm-hmm. cigar. Which is why the retrohale is so powerful. Because you're tasting with your nose, essentially. Yeah, you're feeling it on a totally different level. And I don't retrohale very much. It's no. just not my thing. But I've also I've always had a really good sense of smell, and I think there is a probably a link to that. Oh, I'm sure. You know, some people are just not good, don't have a great sense of smell. Yeah, and mine's mine's not great. And really, smokers in general tend not to have a great sense of smell because it gets blown out. Well, I I mean, I've been smoking now for five or six years. Yeah, and I still will smell a deer before I see them. When I'm deer hunting. That's incredible. I go into people's houses who have mold problems, and I and they're telling me, yeah, it smells kind of musty. And I just have to kind of smile and nod and go, sure, yeah. You never pick it up. Never. Uh, sometimes I do, if it's real bad. But there's, because women have the best sense of smell. Men have a worse sense of smell than women. And smokers have a degree less in both of those categories. Pregnant women have the best sense of smell of, I think they probably beat bloodhounds. I mean, they can smell a cheeseburger from across the freeway. So I guess, you know, like you say, it's just kind of, it's all along the spectrum. Well, and that kind of, you know, I don't think cigar smokers, I don't think cigars affect my sense of smell. Now, if I had, if I smoked cigarettes, I'm sure it would. But well, I, th- I think that comes from a, the inhaling part as well. Yeah, it, it gets in the nasal cavity. And, it, right. and also part of it may be the fact that I don't retrohale very often. It could be. The, you know, I don't never burn those those receptors right to that level. Um, you'll t- so here's the general tips. This is from cigarnoise.com. And all their general tips. If uh, your cigar's making noise, you should probably pick up another one. It's probably something. I don't know. I would smoke one that screamed as you lit it. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. Or just one that sounds like a fuse with so I'm gonna take the I'm gonna hit the high points of this because it's a very lengthy article and I'm not gonna get too in depth. But to get the most accurate picture of what a cigar tastes like, pair with water. I'm a big fan of smoking with water. You know, I that's and we've talked about this before. I mean, it's as far as as being something that's not going to cleanse your palate and not affect your palate, I think it's about the best thing you can do. And also, I think having a fairly moist palate, you know, keeping hydrated while you're smoking kind of keeps your uh, taste buds lubricated and and kind of enhances the overall experience. Well, I do think being properly hydrated while you smoke is important. Especially if you're smoking in Nicaraguan or Honduran, which has a tendency to blow out, to dry out your palate anyway. Well, especially if you, you know, if I know if it's Friday afternoon and I know I'm going to come to the cigar shop and I'm going to hang with the Brain Trust and we're going to be, you know, it's a two or three cigar night sitting there discussing life's ups and downs and philosophies, I'll up my water intake that day. Yeah. I'll just kind of be a little better hydrated, but to me, water tastes like nothing. So... Pairing cigar with water seems counterintuitive. And I'll, now I like something, you know, if I'm smoking, I'm drinking a root beer right now, a fine Sprecher's Fire Brewed Root Beer from Wisconsin. Um, that, to me, pairs well with my cigars. Because it's that little hit of sweet, there's no caffeine in it, so I don't have, root beer has no caffeine. But it is going to affect your palate more than water is. And I think that's... In, in the conversation about developing a palate, you're really trying to hone in on or home in on nuances and flavors and things like that. So I can see why 
Now, if every cigar you smoke you pair with a root beer, then that does become kind of your baseline. But if you're if you're looking to really experience and taste a cigar, I think that that's going to have an effect on on your experience. Okay, but I don't think that's better than nothing at all. Hydrate before your cigar, and then during your cigar, don't drink anything. Well, that's fine too. Just enjoy the. I cigar. do that frequently. If I if I'm going to really feel a cigar, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, now this is an interesting point they're making here. Taste and smell everything all the time. <laughs> now, know the smell of freshly cut grass. Know the you know know the smells of garlic. Know the smells of er, of oak. Know what cedar smells like in the winter. Develop a develop a catalog of smells associated in your mind. Then, as you apply that to your palate, it'll be easier to add notes to your cigar. No, I think that's absolutely right, and we kind of talk about that usually somewhat mockingly of the notes of coriander and 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 those sorts of things. But you know, with smell being so closely tied to memory as well, it's going that's and being the primary tasting avenue, I think it really will have an effect if you've got some way to classify, well, what does that smell? What does that taste? Well, it's kind of like this, and you have to have, you have, to have experienced a lot of smells and tastes to be able to know what that is. Okay. Now we get into the next part, while you smoke. That was all preparing to smoke. This is while you smoke. Smoke slowly. If you smoke quickly, you'll miss the notes. Take one to two puffs per minute. Now, here's where I stray from them. Set a timer on your phone if you need to. So, time to puff. (laughs) How annoying will that be? Yeah. (laughs) How much will that bother you during the span of a day? Sorry, I got to stop and puff. (laughs) How how, would you not be ready to kill? The guy sitting across from you, if every 30 seconds or so you hear... You hear his phone going <laughs> off. Yeah, that's that just seems to me to be a little bit, ex- a little yeah. retentive. You know what, and, and that's the thing, you know, we talk about how you tend to be a pretty fast smoker. We both do. If you look at the average, puff when you're ready to puff. Puff when it feels right, when the yeah. moment feels right. I'll eat when I'm hungry, I'll drink when I'm dry, I'll Try. puff whenever I'm ready. So, the next thing they have, know that some flavors are easier to pick out than others. Coffee, chocolate, earth, pepper, those are easy to pick out. I find leather to be pretty easy to pick out as well. Leather's usually a pretty profound flavor. You can usually pick that out. But now there are going to be some, you know, oak is a little harder to pick out. It is. Um, All cigars are going to have a little bit of cedar. I think you actually get a little, because... Humidors are lined with cedar for obvious reasons. It doesn't rot. It doesn't absorb water. It's it's the perfect material for that. But know that some flavors are easier to pick out than others. That's that's a pretty good piece of advice. It is, especially if you get the one that tastes like black licorice from between the back seat of your mom's station wagon. You know, if you're not tasting that, you need to know that it's okay because that's that's a very it's a very specific taste. Now, this one goes in the same category as the guy whose phone beeps every 30 seconds. Unsure if you're picking out a certain flavor? Head over to the spice cabinet and see if you can pinpoint what you're tasting. See, I I think that's a terrible piece of advice because what you're going to do is overwhelm your palate. 
Dave here at Cigar Noise uses a review buddy. A box of things you might taste in a cigar that sits with him while he smokes. So I'm going to get me a shoe box. Throw a little leather in there. A little coriander. A little oak. (laughs) A little oak. Hold on. This is Wild Elm from May. No, that's not it. (laughs) That may be a little bit much. I mean, I you know. Hey, Frank, come smell this. (laughs) We do a podcast about cigars, and I wouldn't carry a shoebox full of junk around right. me to see what it smells like. Especially everybody I have at the bar would you know, right. do something to my shoebox. Learn to retrohale. Retrohale is moving the smoke from the back of your mouth and out your nose. Some flavors will only be present in the retrohale. That is not a novice maneuver. That is a good way to end up with a pretty sizable cough if you don't know what you're doing that that could be rough especially if you've advanced past a mild cigar too quickly perhaps and you're maybe in a little over your head if you go for the retro hill you're gonna feel it for a while yeah that's definitely a you don't do that on your first cigar you don't do that on your fifth cigar and you definitely don't do that on the night that you step up in strength now, if you've been smoking the shade for, you know, a couple of weeks and you're you're not stepping up and you want to see if there's something extra there, retrohale your heart's content. And I honestly don't always recommend retrohaling a cigar the first time you smoke it. Um, smoke, I don't agree with this one. Smoke the same cigar with someone else who has a more developed palate. I don't think so. I think everybody, I think we talked about it earlier, because of the difference in how we all smell... It makes a difference in how you perceive a cigar. Right. You know, it, you and I have a very, very similar palate, but I'm going to pick up on things that you aren't and vice versa, just like you're going to like things that I don't and vice versa. Right. You know, crown heads. Right. Their stuff's not bad, but it's not great to me. It's great to you. Right. You know, you enjoy it. Um, okay. This one I'm on the fence about. Smoke blind sometimes. Remove the band and then smoke the cigar, and then look at the band afterwards. I'd like to know how you're going to pull that off. Well, it's simple. You send a friend into the humidor, and you say, pick a cigar. And then he goes to Biff and says, what's the strongest cigar you got? Right. <laughs> and takes the band off of it and brings it out here to And you. then throws it away, and then the dog gets in the trash, and you never know what you smoked. Right, you never know what you had. So, so I'm assuming that you don't agree with this technique. I, I'm on the fence about it. I think there's, you know, we've even talked about doing an episode where we both pick a cigar for the other, take the band off, and do a blind smoke. I think it's fun as an idea. I don't know that I would recommend that as a palate-building exercise. Now, this is a good piece of advice. Smoke cigars made from a single type of tobacco. For a while, yeah. Well, from a, you know a puro standpoint. And it's hard to, you know... You can get a Nicaraguan Puro like what I'm smoking here. You can get a Dominican Puro. You can get Puros. What was that Honduran Puro we had the other day? Um, was it the one that you got that come in the box? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. It was. Um, but I was thinking there was another one that we reviewed. Maybe it was a Cigar Under 8 a couple of weeks ago. It was a Honduran Puro, I thought, which is, which is rare. I mean, you're not going to see a, a Mexican Puro or a Connecticut Puro or anything like that. Well, and some blend, some flavors are never meant to be in a puro form. Right. Sumatra, um, San Andreas. You know, that's right. we talked about the Buckeye Land. Yeah. That's a lot of San Andreas. It is a lot of San Andreas. And Lajero as well. 
Although LFD did make a 100% Lajero cigar for a while. They may still. I just don't see it anymore. The NAS. Did you have to light it with a flamethrower? It, it was a cheroot. Yeah. It is hard to keep burning. Yeah. Lajero does not like to burn. No, burns Lajero very, burns very slow. slowly. No, but these are some, kind of some, some tricks to start developing your palate. But at the end of the day, I think the best advice for developing your palate is just know what you like. Well, but you have to get to that point. I, in, in your first three months of smoking a cigar regularly, and I will say once a week, uh, thereabouts, if you're smoking a cigar a week, for the first three months, don't ever smoke the same cigar twice. Branch out. Don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone. Stick with some Connecticut's and some, you know, milder cigars. You know, moving up into maybe like a Criollo or a Corojo, you know, or Cameroon is, is, would be perfect in that. You know, just, but, but branch out. You know, s- smoke 12 different cigars before you start to figure out and then go, okay, well, I really like that one. I, eh, that one was less so, you know, and, and really concentrate and think about what it is you like about that. Do I like the way it feels on the back of my tongue? Do I like the way my taste, my mouth tastes afterwards? That's one of those things for me. Key to a good cigar is the, the residual taste in my mouth after I've put the cigar down. That Perdomo I was smoking before the show is notorious for that. I love the way my mouth tastes at the end of that cigar. The other thing I will say, be aware that your palate's going to change. Mm-hmm. I go through, you know, we've spoke about it. I go through times of the year when the temperature affects my palate. There's times of the year where the humidity affects my palate. Emotion can, you know, depending on what kind of day or week you're having can affect your palate. Um, and then and then also just as you develop a palate, it's going to change. You know, when you first start smoking cigars and you really get into it and you really like it, you're going to love those light Connecticut's. But then you're going to get to a point where you go, yeah, I need a little bit more. And then you're going to go for the, you're going to gradually build up to the strongest of the strong. And then you're going to start to get bored because there's only so much of that you can take. And then you're going to kind of come back to the middle. And that's why I think a lot of people who've been smoking for a long time tend to stay in that medium to medium full category. I think so. And I, and I back off. Yeah. When I start receiving less from my cigars, I back off. And I'll tell you this. Cigars is a hobby you can get too much thought into. The real... And the fact that that's coming from you is saying a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that really... Really, the cigars I enjoy are the cigar are directly related to the people that I'm enjoying them with. Right. You know, we... Last night, we had a big philosophical debate here at the cigar shop. And, I'll, and now I will ask our listeners, and I plan to ask Trey this question. Because I'm getting a wide ver- variety of answers to this question. And I tend to answer your questions wrong. So I'll well, be interested. They're hypotheticals. There's no wrong answers. That doesn't stop you from telling me I'm wrong. Yeah. So would you rather live in a world... Where you're a super genius and everybody is of average intelligence. Oh, we talked about this after the show last week. Or would you rather live in a world where you have average intelligence and everybody else is a super genius? I'd rather everybody else be a super genius. See, that's actually the right answer. (laughs) Because I believe the most frustrating moments in my life are explaining concepts to idiots. 
And if I was surrounded constantly by people of so, so much less intelligence, it would be a frustrating life to live. True. Although I will say, just to be the wet blanket on your hypothetical, if everybody else in the world has, is super intelligence, then by definition, average intelligence would be the, the same as them. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a chair. Don't go goofing. <laughs> don't, don't go trying to reset up <laughs> the hypothetical. Now, the interesting... And but, four is the middle of seven. The interesting part about this hypothetical question is... Um, Jay, one of the smarter guys in the cigar shop, I consider to be a very intelligent, thoughtful man, said he absolutely could not stand being the least intelligent man in the world. Now, you know, in fairness, I do, because the thing is, is I'm such an empath, and I focus quite a bit on, you know, how I affect others, and, and you know, the effect that I have on others, and... and and so knowing that I was a source of frustration from somebody else would be very hard on me. Uh, and for that reason, you know, I, I, I would very much struggle with being a, an average intelligence person in a world full of super geniuses. Because well, I know that I would be their key source of frustration. Because it is infuriating dealing with someone who's, you know, 30 IQ points lower than you are. But Jay's point was he values intelligence so highly he couldn't imagine a world where, you know, good enough is as good as you're going to do. Right. That, you know, everybody else is going to be talking about rocket science and you're going to be winding up a toy in the corner, you know, with a key. <laughs> Spinning the propeller on your hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a 1980s movie reference. But, but it's an interesting thought because we, we really had an intense debate because I can't imagine that that would not be a frustrating life, but I can understand being willing to accept the frustration of that rather than uh, being frustrated with others would be less damaging than being frustrated with yourself at all times. Right. Yeah. And no, I, I really do. I really do see both sides of that one because it's, it's a matter, but it also, I think, comes down to how you see yourself in the world. If you already see yourself as somebody of higher than average intelligence, then I can see how you would feel the way we do, which is seeing the frustrations that that, and I'd much rather be surrounded by people who are at my level or higher versus if you're someone of average intelligence, you may see the frustrations of, of that in your life and, and wish to change the change the balance a little bit. Although that doesn't apply to Jay because he is one of the smartest people I know. He is. And it's interesting. Like I said. Just in case he's listening, I want to make sure I point that out. <laughs> what I enjoy about cigars is the conversations that we get right. to have with them because everybody should take some time just to sit back in life and ask the important. Don't talk about Game of Thrones. We don't care. Don't tell me about the Avengers movie. I could care less. And don't talk about sports like you own the team. Yeah, or, or that your your father founded the university that they happen to be playing for. Right. I'm all for getting excited about sports when they're on the TV. I'm all for being a fan. And I was at my daughter's softball game yesterday, and there was a guy running around. Was there a draft, or was did they announce seating for some draft? On t I, I don't. I, I don't follow sports in the offseason for the most part. He was talking, and his kid was on the field playing. 
And he was talking to all the other dads about how his team got the two seed or the second pick. Or I, I wasn't paying much attention. But it just like I, I couldn't imagine being so wrapped up in in something that I have no influence on and has no real effect on my life. It's golf for me. I love to play golf. I don't care to watch golf. I mean, I, I love playing golf. I enjoy it. But when I leave the golf course, guess what? I'm done with golf. I'll play golf again, and when I play golf again, I'll be the, I'll be all in for golf. Right. But I don't, you know, I I don't try to multitask through these scenarios. And also, okay, no, we're about to wrap up the show here. Give me a judgment on the Imperial Stout Barrel Aged Whiskey Rendered Five Time Triple Refined Dual Cut Seven Capped Camacho. <laughs> You had all of that just queued up, ready to go. I'm impressed. Right off the cuff. No, so um, I'm going to go five on this one. It's it's good. It's not great. Now, if I qualify that, because the other thing is it was about 12 bucks, which, you know, is what Camacho does nowadays. And and, that, and that's costing them on a Cristo prices. I could only imagine what this would be in a regular brick and mortar. So, you know, value for dollar is good, not great. Um flavor is good not great now how much it impresses me how much it exceeded my expectations based on it being a barrel age is a seven i never would have picked this cigar up if it had not been from hutch's recommendation and i'm really glad that i did because i did enjoy it and i will probably have another one at some point but i you know that that barrel age does tend to steer me away from it so in that way it really did exceed my expectations but overall it's five well, the Padron, even with the construction being excellent, but the the abuse this cigar has endured en route to my en route to its final destination, my ashtray. Yeah. Still excellent. Yeah. Still solid. Solid six and three quarters, heading to seven fast. Still the perfect cigar to celebrate with. It's still everything that Padron does, it does well. Even after the matter of, amount of abuse this cigar has taken in its life, it's still wonderful. Excellent. So, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Trey, how do they get a hold of us? Uh, you can reach us via email at info at thecigarcast.com. We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast, and you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Well, also, I want to stop for a minute and thank everybody that voted in the poll that they like the longer show. Thank you for proving Shane right yet again. Those of you who voted against it will have stopped listening by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So so listen in two sessions. That's right. Maybe take one on the way to work, one on the way home. There you go. But thank you for everybody that voted. Everybody that don't, I have your name, I have your number. I'm going to be expecting, I'll be sending a sternly, sternly worded letter. And we'll send you another survey asking why you couldn't be bothered. Yeah. yeah why, why did you not answer the poll? <laughs> Check yes or no. So... Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.